Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Crypto Hipsters Podcast, where I interview founders and co-founders, entrepreneurs and artists, executives and stay-at-home hipsters in crypto and blockchain around the world. And I have an amazing podcast for you today. Let's get to it. And today I have two guests, uh, two very special guests. Um, the other day, a press release came across my desk that said, from a 3D imaging film, Blindsight, to NFTs, 1,000 caseoids now on ETH blockchain. Uh, so I want to welcome uh, Daniel K. Varuchko, who's the creator of caseoids and founder of uh, Mishli Studio, and Andy Alexen, who's a CEO and co-founder of Snark Art. Welcome to the show today, gentlemen. Uh, thanks Thank for inviting yes. us. You're welcome. So I'll start with I'll start with Daniel, and I'll ask mm -hmm. the same question. Um, what is your background, and um, and what is VFX art, and uh, what are your experiences as an artist up until now? Okay, so it's going to be a long story. I'll try to make it shorter because uh, I've been in the industry for more than 20 years already, like uh, visual effects and design. So originally I'm from Ukraine, but uh, at some point uh, I moved to Moscow, Russia, and spent uh, seven years there growing from graphic designer to call me my own design studio. And eight years ago, I moved to New York because everyone, like all my Moscow friends, kept saying that uh, New York is just like Moscow, but better. And I thought, like, wow, well, if it's better than Moscow, and I, I really like the Moscow back then, so I decided to, to give it a try. And uh, with my wife, we moved here, and uh, eventually I, I found a job and spent uh, five years, I guess, uh, working as a visual effects artist because it was like a constant transition for, for my career from graphic design to interactive design, then to art direction, then 3D and motion design, and finally visual effects. So it's just like stuck to uh, different uh, career paths on top of each other. And uh, I spent here like five years uh, being a full-time employee in Charlie Studio. Uh, initially, they, they hired me as a visual effects artist, but uh, the moment I left, uh, I was already a creative director on, on some spots for like Nike, let's say. And three years ago, I uh, left. I, I decided to start my like own uh, career and uh, being a freelancer slash uh, Mishli Studio founder then. And never looked back to full-time employment since then because it, it really helped me to balance like having uh, commercial things uh, to do and personal projects one of which is this uh, xoids uh, which i made uh, almost eight years ago when i i just moved to the us and uh, now it transformed from just a, like personal uh, passion project i had to uh, a more commercial one like if you if you can put it this way with NFTs, uh, is it a commercial art or <laughs> just art? I don't know. <laughs> Great. And uh, Andy, you also have a studio, correct? Um, Snark Art. What's what's your uh, background there, and uh, what are you doing there now? 
Uh, so Snark Snark Art is actually a platform we help artists to create and uh, build projects, art projects using new, new technologies, blockchain technology specifically. So we usually work with big name artists and creating complex projects. And uh, like we take care of development and of marketing and sales. Great. So you're you're uh, assisting um, Daniel with the with the build out and the sale of uh, these casoids um, on Ethereum. Exactly. Yes. Great. So um, my first question is this: Then, what are these casoids, um, and what was the inspiration, uh, Daniel, between um, being you know creating them? Uh, okay. So. I should mention that uh, it wasn't me alone. I had my wife by my side from the day one for this project, and actually naming uh, came from her because uh, it's it's her uh, super ability in our family to give names to things, including our kids, and and name of my studio too. Uh, so every single time I, I need a name for something, I usually ask her and she immediately just like that uh, give me, oh, it should be called like that. So the same story was uh, with Xoids. Uh, I just, uh, uh, I liked uh, generative art, uh, things uh, which uh, you just partially like define the rules, but uh, then the computer goes on its own and, and you never know the results. Because uh, if I were creating each of these thousand by hand, it would take like like using the usual 3D approach, it would take forever. So I made like a almost like a Lego uh, of uh, body parts and properties and uh, different traits for these uh, characters, and then combine them together and uh, spend some time trying to make them be sure that every single one looks good because uh, again I, I didn't choose manually like uh, i should keep this one and uh, this one is broken so i i had to like, make the algorithm which uh, constantly will produce uh, good results and on top of it well that was my thing uh, doing generative stuff but my wife she's uh, very into is uh, little adorable creatures of any kind alive and imaginary. So we combined our passions uh, together, and that's how this project was born. It was uh, year 2013, and uh, to my surprise, uh, it got a lot of attention from different design blogs, and uh, some Chinese uh, factories uh, contacted me asking, like, uh, we, we would like to produce physical copies. And I said, like, well, no, uh, I don't want to even start uh, this, this journey because it's like the moment you decide to put something digital as a physical thing, it's it's always headache. Like with logistic, producing materials, I, I just declined this uh, politely. And then at some point, even guys from who producing Sesame Street uh, contacted me and saying like we, we would like uh, a few of your characters in our show, uh, but uh, unfortunately it, it, it didn't happen. So we, we were in negotiations, and then something something changed on their side. So I kept this thousand for me. So they happily lived uh, for eight years uh, as just digital creatures, and uh, 
this year uh it was uh, you know like facebook uh, reminds you sometime of your posts so i got this uh, notification from eight years uh, ago saying like oh that was the day i published uh, the project and uh, i republished it too uh, saying like i still love them and uh andy who like we, we already worked on a couple projects before i helped him with a uh, uh visuals and 3d animation and he replied like oh we should uh, put it on a blockchain it should be nft collectibles and uh, so like well wh why not Let let's do it and we spent you know three or four weeks uh, preparing because it was a custom contract because we we wanted them to be randomly distributed so you buy a pack but you it's like like a real toy you, you don't know what's inside this thing until you open it so it we had to do this like custom contracts and a lot of testing on OpenSea and uh, obviously helped a, a lot us with uh, setting this thing up because uh, it's 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 an unusual mechanic and they were very supportive thanks to them. Uh, and eventually, yeah, it, it go live and uh, after that, uh, it was super successful. <laughs> uh, we were overwhelmed for like first 10 days because uh, we, at least, I don't know, like I, I can't say about Andy, but I thought it would be like two months for selling uh, and it's all compressed in under one week. Uh, so we had to keep up with the pace. Uh, we, we honestly were <clears throat> didn't prepare for this <laughs> success. Right. Um, you were successful, uh, very successful. So that's good. And my question to Andy is this: um, on the business mm -hmm. side, right? What do you what do you what do you see on the blockchain business side? But not just um, the case was project, but overall these characters. What do you see? Well, uh, if we're talking about NFT, this market is uh, growing insanely since uh, the pandemic started. It's uh, like I think like right now the the overall market size is maybe, I don't know, like maybe like $500 million per month or something. So it's like, it's very close to the total art market size already. So, and it's be, it's only like one year. So I don't, I can't, I don't know what will be like one year after that. So this is uh, uh, something unbelievable. I always believed in this. I always believed in the digital art on blockchain uh, in this market. But even for me, this was like, this came as a surprise. You know, like the whole the whole community that are so interested in digital art, the the community of collectors that buy these digital collectibles, and it's only growing. Yeah, that was a, like a, like insane. And uh, the thing that we noticed is that even that the number of the project uh, goes up, the quality was not. And uh, like lots of most of projects, they were just copy pasting. You know, like previous ones. And they like with the whole like new uh, artists coming to the market, uh, the, the level of creativity was not uh, like like maybe like like less than than ideal. And uh, so like when I saw these uh, xoids from Daniel, I thought, oh yeah, this is what exactly market needs right now. They are cute. They are definitely collectible. They have uh, some uh, interesting traits. And uh, there are only 1,000 of them. So yeah, this would become uh, a hit. And uh, yeah, that's actually happened. 
maybe I was a little bit optimistic, but I like I, I believe that this will happen from the day one. So, uh, Daniel, um, it's interesting because Alexi made a comment saying, for many years, you know, the traditional market has perceived digital artists as second rate. And you are a digital artist. Actually, you're, you're an accomplished digital artist. How have you experienced being considered as a second rate artist? And what lessons have you learned that, you know, have led to a positive impact on your artistic expression? Uh well, I cannot say it's like uh, we were second-rate uh, citizens, but uh, there is a uh, very uh, distinctive uh, difference to how digital art and, uh, I don't know how to say it, like classic, uh, regular, whatever, how we call it, uh, art uh, is perceived. So if you make uh, beautiful things, and, and people uh, in, in these days, it, it's... Uh, it's literally like a digital renaissance going because so many people creating amazingly beautiful things uh, just as a digital pieces, uh, as, as a pictures or animation or sculptures, uh, 3D things. So there are a lot of uh, beautiful things, but uh, they never were treated uh, like a real art for some reason. Because uh, for me, I'm thinking that uh, uh, art market uh, is... Uh, very old one and because of that it's slow so you never like, before this year it never happened that uh, something created uh, digitally were sold for the same amount of money uh, as a real painting or something it, it was sometimes it, it was even like stupidly funny because uh, i seen some uh, artists uh, who create things uh, on a computer and then just draw exactly the same as a with a real oil paint or something and this moment this becomes uh, valuable and expensive but it, it's literally exactly the same picture so and uh, i think uh, because everything becomes more and more digital these days uh, it was just a matter of time for market uh, art market understand that and uh, appreciate and start uh understand that it's it's the same it has the same value now as uh, traditional uh it's a part yeah but uh yeah as, as as physical art yeah yeah but um and yeah i'm giving it back to the yeah i just want to <laughs> add that like two things uh First, that uh, average age of a collector, of an art collector, is 59 years. So, like these people, they just don't understand uh, digital art. Uh, they have different backgrounds, and they um, like they prefer physical items. Like, like up until last year, 99.5% art was physical. And uh, the second reason is that, uh, like. If you just don't understand what to buy, what what are you buying when you are buying digital? Like it's all like you you can copy paste every digital file, and so if you buy something like like where is scarcity if like it can be copied? So like this was a second issue that like prevented the digital art from uh, and digital art sales from developing, and both things were so like solved just recently. 
first like the generation new generation appeared and like these millennials and generation z they finally become rich and they became rich they like now the uh, the the wealthiest generation in the history of the united states and second the technology the blockchain technology now allows uh ownership of digital items it's like the the concept of like owning a digital thing is still like a little bit weird and it's like it need to be uh like you need to believe in it to actually own this but it works it works there's a community that believes uh, that uh if you own something and uh if you own something digital and this on and this ownership certificate is stored on the blockchain then it's a real ownership it's interesting that you said that andy because i noticed the same thing in the cryptocurrency field when you have you know um billionaire el elder um investors like um like warren buffett and charlie munger you know laughing at bitcoin um and the community you know who invests in bitcoin believes in it um you see do you see similarities there exactly exactly this like all the people like uh, with all respect they they think that this is a bubble and uh, there's only uh, like it's like there's nothing behind it but young people they live inside this bubble and they believe that this bubble will become so big that the whole world will be living in it so we'll see who wins but i'm inside the bubble <laughs> right and i'm inside the crypto bubble <laughs> right, right you know so you said that um thanks to the growing popularity of nfts andy you said some of the best digital artists have reached the global art market attracted the attention of aspiring collectors and won their admiration um what are some of those areas that this admiration is still still in question right we're talking about and in the art world you know i'm sure you still have your doubters very much like we still have our doubters in crypto but how do you navigate through your sharpest critics you, you first andy and then uh you daniel well i think like a, like a great example of like this kind of artist like is people uh because this guy he was rejected by the traditional art world for many years like traditional art world they don't think that uh, illustrators uh can be real artists and so he was excluded from the art market and but he said okay like i don't need you and so he just start, started posting his artworks in instagram and he did this uh, like every day for 12 years uh like five thousand days and he grew he grew his own audience you know like he didn't need this the like curators he didn't need this art puzzle things or anything like that he had his own audience and the only thing that he, he like he was missing is like the way to sell uh his digital artworks to his audience that was already huge he had maybe like two million followers on instagram and uh, with the nft it became possible and it like you know, i think he made his first auction in maybe in the late october or, or on november and it was a huge success he sold on like three million dollars in just like in over the weekend and then next uh series of artworks he sold for six million dollars and then it's actually like like the the whole change that happened with uh, 
with people actually help the whole industry to to emerge and to grow at a, at a very fast rate. And what happened next after that, Art World started to pay attention to him, and they invited him at Christie's auction. So this is how he actually made it. You know, he said, "I I don't want you." He found his own way, and now Art World wants want to be with him. I think, yeah, this is fascinating. It's funny yeah. that they, they start pay, paying attention only after it uh, became valuable in, in money, which uh, for me, <laughs> it, 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 uh, it makes me doubt uh, about uh, do they actually value the art uh, qualities of something or just uh, money, well, for, for many collectors, I think it's just an investment, right? Uh, so the, there is different groups. Uh, I cannot uh, just uh, put them on under one label, but but it's funny that uh, only after it it was selling well, it became an art, which uh, again makes me think uh, about definition of art. Uh, what what is that? Uh, so going back to, to your question, so how how do I deal with the Criticism of uh, yeah. How do you deal with your sharpest? Yeah. How do you deal with your sharp? How do you deal with your sharpest critics? Well, uh, <laughs> I'm trying to be calm uh, first. And uh, the thing for me, I don't see very much difference uh, in crypto art to real art, and uh, from cryptocurrencies to let's say like fiat or real currencies, because. To me, it's all based on shared beliefs. Uh, because if enough people saying that uh, the dollar is is valuable, it becomes valuable. If you have enough uh, people believing in the same thing, it uh, becomes unquestionable thing. Like, well, it's it's real money. But uh, if you look a bit deeper, you understand that. Uh, Inside, it's, it's basically the same idea. It's just uh, shared by more people for now. And uh, digital currencies and digital art is the same, the same thing. Uh, it's just uh, not that popular yet, but it's becoming, it's growing and becoming more and more popular. And uh, I think, again, I'm inside the bubble too, but I think eventually it will have the same amount of uh, believers at this moment uh, it would be uh, people would be laughed at if they say like oh, bitcoin is not uh, valuable they say like why do you think and so like every single bank uh, taking it and can use it you can use it and it. so for me there is no difference uh, i think uh, that that's what i would say to any uh, critic uh, Hussein, it, it's it's not valuable. So, yeah, I would say the same thing too. Um, and you, <laughs> you and I, and and Andy, all three of us, you know, we are we are definitely in some kind of bubble. But you know what's not in a bubble is orangutans. And um, <laughs> you know, um, this interests me about your about what you want to. It said. You know, kids always create the world of their own, but also your interests are to help protect wildlife, um, and particularly 
orangutans, you know, and, and I mm -hmm. saw orangutans when I used to be a kid going to the zoo. And I wanted to find out, though, you know, seriously, um, how are you guys up to protecting the wildlife um, through your artwork? Um, Who, who's going to reply? Andy, me? Both. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead, Dane. Uh, okay, so, well, that was uh, the idea of my wife. Again, she is very involved with the project. And uh, from the day one, we didn't want to make it just a, like money grab uh, collection. So we wanted to give back somehow. And uh, we choose between try to, to find different uh, charities uh, which uh, accept uh, cryptocurrencies as donations because uh, from the business side, it's so much easier for us because we the crypto native uh, kind of uh, uh, business because we would take in like, earn Ethereum and it will be 100% logical to donate as a Ethereum too. So we looked through many different things, and uh, she's very passionate about helping wildlife. And we had history of donations, not on this size, but uh, as, as just like uh, regular persons. And uh, she's donating to bees and uh, to Amnesty International, which is not a wildlife, but still a charity, and uh, to different, different charities. And, uh, she found this uh, particular uh, charity which uh, works with uh, wild orangutans, which uh, uh, are kept as domestic uh, animals in horrible conditions. So these guys are buying them out, uh, out of the owners and spend some time trying to, if, if this is a young enough uh, animal, they just train it uh, to be able to get back to wildlife. And uh, if it's too old, they just uh, keep them and take good care of them. And uh, it's, it's a good thing. And uh, we decided to uh, have 20% uh, of our uh, income as uh, our earnings. Uh, as a charity donations, and uh, we kept doing that since start. Uh, <laughs> it was uh, like uh, the moment I start to convert it in in real money. It, it sounds ridiculous uh, because it's just a huge amount, at least for me. Uh, I, I'm not used to donating this amount or earning this amount. Again, it, it was a huge success. I, I wasn't prepared. But uh, I'm glad that we are actually not only making our customers, collectors happy, but uh, we have some impact on real world and helping endangered uh, species to survive. And, uh, Excellent. Uh, Andy, what are your thoughts on, on making an impact for the environment? And for Yeah, I just want to add that, yeah, that... Uh, just to add, Daniel, that we not only supported the wildlife, uh, uh, we also I I don't know like this like if you're familiar with this uh, like this, uh, the whole NFT space is a little bit controversial uh, because of the envir potential environmental harm. So the uh, there are um, um, uh, some estimates that. Like minting one NFT is uh, produce uh, a lot of carbon, and uh, it's harmful for the nature. 
And so we decided that we must uh, uh, compensate this. I like we totally understand that it's not the same thing. Just like like not to, like to compensate harm is not like the same thing. But like not not to do any harm at all. But we decided like uh, to like to to minimize our impact. So we also uh, 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 we calculated the amount of. Um, Carbon uh, and uh, compensated this uh, carbon uh, by purchasing these uh, carbon certificates. So we can say that our project is a carbon neutral. Uh, At least we're trying to say that. Yeah. What you're saying then, Andy, is that blockchain technology and the creation of impact, uh, creation of NFTs can um, help. I guess impact the environmental footprint um, of carbon positively. Well, we're trying to offset it, as Andy said. Uh, I'm sorry to interrupt. Uh, that uh, it's not like we. It's very different things. Not doing harm at all, and uh, trying to uh, minimize it, or even have a like, more carbon offset that your carbon footprint is. But I understand that in modern society, you harm nature, unfortunately, uh, one way or other with every single activity you do. Like, whatever you do, you're still harming. Uh, even like, buying you know, ice cream. If you go through the whole chain, how this product was made uh, and uh, what happened along the way and how much energy uh, it uh, took. Uh, uh, you should understand that you're already harming the nature one way or other. For us, uh, we decided, okay, we, we cannot uh, completely uh, not act at all like why, while we're alive. <laughs> but uh, we decided that uh, it's uh, our duty to somehow give back and compensate uh, both is as a donation to wildlife charity and to the other charity fund uh, which uh, works uh, on offsetting carbon footprint uh, from uh, blockchain like because it's it's very by its nature it's very energy consuming uh, sorry again to for interrupting <laughs> no problem uh no problem so that was that answers that on the uh, social impact side. How about technologically, Andy, what do you think? Uh, can you please repeat the, repeat the question? From the actual application of the technology, of blockchain technology, you know, how can we impact that carbon footprint? Not from just from a social perspective. Oh, um, oh but from yeah, a, yeah. That, that's, that's actually the Ethereum blockchain is actually working on it. There's a new technology. This is like the name of it, the proof of stake. Like now Ethereum uses proof, proof of work, which uses a lot of electricity and that results in a huge carbon footprint. But the new tech is uh, like consumes very low energy. It has different approach. And uh, like Ethereum probably will move to this technology within the next couple of years, hopefully sooner. And uh, a lot of blockchains, uh, new blockchain, modern blockchains already use this technology. And it's um, like actually now a couple of blockchains that by definition carbon neutral, which I think is super cool. 
So yeah, I actually believe in entrepreneurship and then like if people like see this as a goal, they will get uh, and they will solve the issue sooner or later, hopefully sooner. And uh, I actually happy that uh, crypto community uh, like understands this, uh, the, these concerns and tries to address them. Excellent. Um, thank you. Um, that is an ongoing concern. I'm glad it's being addressed. Um, now, one last thing, um, you know, going back to the NFTs, you know, they've grown to um, such a scale. We touched on this a little bit earlier that classical art market, the classical art market, right, is now forced, say, forced to catch up with NFTs, not to be left on the sidelines. How do you do you see and how do you see um, us being able to rebuild the global economy? with the NFTs and creativity as a, as a base for me to make that happen. We'll start with you, Andy. Sure. Sure. You know, like for hundreds of years, art market was a very, very niche market. You know, to become a collector, you would need to have like a lot of money. You'd need to have some storages for the, for artworks. So it was like really like, like, like not every person could become a collector. And now this NFT approach, it democratizes the access to like people can start collecting, like having like $200 and they store all uh, artworks in their phones and they can transfer these artworks to the exhibitions or just to each other with the speed of light just by, by sending the file. This is amazing. I believe that this is a revolution. Like I keep saying like, maybe this is not a great uh, comparison, but anyway, so like, like, like 120 years ago, people were smoking cigars and it was like, like a very specific cigar club. But then somebody invented cigarettes and immediately like the way how people smoke, it was like such a huge difference, you know, like, and it's like, it, it took, took out the world just in a matter of like a few years. And uh, people that are smoking cigars, they still exist, but it's like a very niche club of a, like I would say, not like regular people don't smoke cigars so you know what i mean like this is like kind of like what nft can can bring to the to the art market everybody can become a collector and everybody will become a, a collector and i believe that if a person actually uh see art or somehow experience art every day a person gets better so i actually hope that this technology and this significant shift will help to heal our society and will help to make our world slightly better. Great. How about you, Daniel? Uh, well, I agree on democratizing, of course. Uh, I disagree on comparison to cigarettes. Uh, <laughs> it's not harmful for your health. And uh, it's. I hope it's not that addictive. I would uh, compare it to having Let's oh, say, it's addictive. Well, it's addictive. Well, it, it, for different <laughs> persons. Yeah, I understand that. Uh, so if you think about uh, painting and uh, the photography, <clears throat> it's that uh, the same kind of uh, transition. So because uh, paintings were only for each, uh, there were only few of them, so like not many in, in the count. And only richest person could afford uh, having uh, his own portrait. And then 
photography was invented and uh, it became mass market eventually like not uh, not uh, instantly but uh, still so almost everyone could afford it and but still it was uh, okay it, it came it went from being for rich only to mid class but you still had to own a expensive uh, camera or something and then instagram and digital phone like in the reverse order digital phones and uh, instagram happened and it just exploded like the moment uh, at some point uh, almost every single person had a phone and uh, capable of uh, taking pictures uploading it and uh, adding some social uh, layer to it and uh, this photography market exploded it it, it didn't kill uh, paintings or classical like big names in photography but uh, these days everyone is a photographer and uh, they over the years they understood uh, and uh, how the good uh, photography could be made on a, on your phone so people got uh, better taste and better um, abilities to, to produce uh, better photos because if you compare what how how instagram looked uh, you know five years ago to what people do now it's uh, it's uh, two different worlds and uh, i think uh, the same happens uh, with uh, art so it becoming from being for rich only to wider audience and uh, that's a good uh, like and you already told for having an impact on global audience but it's good for art too because uh, i am looking on it uh, as point of view from the point of view of uh, artists digital artists and i see that uh, after this explosion of nfts a lot of uh, my personal friends who did uh, only commercial things before and they had to because uh, otherwise they can support uh, they live in their the, the families so they stuck uh, on stupid uh, commercial jobs doing you know, like flying chocolate bars for whole year uh, which is not very artistic thing uh, to be honest and now they got support from from the community from the collectors uh, and they finally could afford to skip uh, at least some of commercial jobs they had to do and do more interesting more artistic things and uh, I already seen like so many new names, and uh, they try so many new different things. And uh, to me, it's good for art because if people have ability to finally make living after uh, making art, uh, digital art, I mean, it uh, makes everything more diverse and uh, more like more interesting. This to me as, as an artist I, I, i'm talking from from my point of view of course awesome that's that is incredibly awesome i love it um i have one last question for you gentlemen i want to well, first of all thank you both for your time today it's been an eye-opening conversation it's been a, a honor and a pleasure to talk to you and i have one last question and that is how can people find out more about caseoids my uh, my studio and snark art Andy? <laughs> sure, just uh, there's a website for Xoids, it's just xoids.com, and there's a lot of uh, plenty of information there. And uh, for Snark Art, there's uh, also a website and the platform snark.art. And um, 
for Daniel from Michli. Is it Michli.com? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I just thought uh, it would be appropriate if uh, entrepreneurship <laughs> part of our, our uh -huh. duo. Can I can I say duo? Uh, we'll uh, tell, tell about all the credentials and uh, web links and all the stuff because if uh, it was me, it was would be like, oh, this artist uh, bragging about his website. <laughs> yeah, happy to do this. No way. Thank you very much, gentlemen. Have a great day. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you for having us. It was a pleasure. Yeah, thanks for having us. Thank you. Thank you.